Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's only one way to start off a review for Survivor Series 1998 colon Deadly Game, and that's by singing the Deadly Game theme song. We really need pay-per-view specific music to make a return. I mean, honestly, listen to these lyrics, because it's a deadly game. Oh, I won't do that. We play as we live our lives. Deadly game, where we say what is on our minds. Deadly game, play it now before the game is over. I mean, that's nonsense. I also have a short story for you when it comes to this event because I knew The Rock was going to win the tournament before I had seen the damn thing. This wasn't because I was some kind of wrestling savant or was on a very early version of the internet wrestling community. It's because my damn brother spoiled it for me as we were on the way home from school. And yet, you damn right I cried. I'm not ashamed. I was so excited. Thankfully, I still had one big last surprise to come because I didn't know about that swerve. And really, this was the night when The Rock decided I am going to level myself up and I'm not going to stop until I'm one of the most famous people on the planet. Even my mum knows who The Rock is, but she calls him Dwayne Johnson. It's a very strange situation. Speaking of stars too, it was well rumoured, or at least well documented at the time, that WCW was about to have a bunch of theirs contracts come due. So there was Chris Jericho, there was Juventud Guerrero, there was The Giant, there was The Steiners, there was Dean Malenko, there was Chris Benoit, and everybody was whispering, everyone was chattering about how maybe, just maybe, they were going to jump ship. Now obviously soon Chris Jericho was going to do this, and the big show was about to become a thing, and then a year after that we got the Radicals, so there certainly was some truth in the pudding. Triple H, Jeff Jarrett and Ken Shamrock on the WWF side were also about to be free agents, but nobody thought they'd go for World Championship Wrestling, especially because around this period, WCW was doing things like, oh my gosh, we're going to do Goldberg versus Bam Bam Bigelow as the main event of Nitro, and it never happened. Why? Nobody flabbing knows. Absolutely anything could have happened back in 1998 too, because Jesse the Body Ventura had become the governor of Minnesota. I mean, that is still really, really weird. So that sets the table and in front of 22,000 fans, which means we're definitely talking about the Action Era, and a pay-per-view that did over 400,000 buys, let's up those downs for the Survivor Series 1998 dot 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 deadly game. Obviously Survivor Series 1998 starts with a deadly game theme song. I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I just find it very funny. And once again, because it is the late 90s, we don't start with a match. 
And it begins with Vince McMahon coming out and going, ha ha, here I am. It's a thing of beauty though, because it does set the story for the evening. The hand-picked champion, or at least that's how it seems, was none other than Mankind, who had become corporate Mankind, and he was wearing a suit. As such, Vinny had gone out there and found him a mystery opponent, and this was absolutely fantabulous. Because everybody in the arena and everybody at home had decided this was going to be Shawn Michaels. And this wasn't just a stupid, oh, wouldn't it be funny if it was the heartbreak kid. You can hear the chants in the building. People are going, HBK, HBK. But they didn't get Mr. Michaels. And instead, they got the biggest legend in all of professional wrestling, Dwayne Gill. McMahon even lets your brain run wild because he starts going, this person's been in WCW, this guy is a superstar. But of course, it's in order to get Mankind through to the next round because he is the chosen one. But do not forget how great Dwayne Gill's entrance is. He has underrated theme music. My word, it's funny. He can't believe he's got Titan Tron. He looks it like man. And he's losing it all the time. And by the time his Pyrotechnics go off and he almost has a heart attack, it just gets a round of applause. I flipping love Dwayne Gill. And yes, don't forget that you're meant to be pissed off with this because Vince McMahon is backing mankind. And my word, he really does. I timed it, and this match goes about 10 seconds. Mankind just gives him a DDT. One, two, three, but it's getting it up. Sable is backstage next. She got beaten up by Jacqueline on Sunday Night Heat. So now she's all like, oh, I'm gonna face Jacqueline later and win the women's title. I was like, okay, good for you. I guess we'll find out. She also had an ice pack on her neck. And this happens in wrestling constantly. Somebody can get you in an arm bar on Sunday Night Heat. And when they cut to the back, you're like, oh man, I'm in so much pain. It never makes any sense. This idea of nonsense also sums up the whole pay-per-view. Because not only is this the attitude era when all WWF matches went short anyway, but we had to fit a tournament into a less than three hour show. So you just knew that most matches were going to be over before you could say, what the hell is happening? So we do get Jeff Jarrett versus Al Snow. And as ever, every time we do bring up Al Snow, no, I'm going to give him a salute and say thank you very much because he was one of my wrestling trainers and I kid you not, without him, I wouldn't be wrestling right now. He was like a damn educational wizard. Certainly, this isn't the greatest match you're ever going to see though. And it's not these two guys' fault because it's just filled with shenanigans. Now, Deborah Michael is out with Jeff Jarrett. And of course, Ed is out with Al Snow and Jeff has his guitar. So we just take all of these objects and we start cycling them in and out. So at one point, we're trying to hit people with head. Then we're trying to hit people with a guitar. But then Al Snow finally gets his hand on his inanimate friend and he twonks Jarrett right in the head and he gets the win. And you kind of watch it and you go, wait a minute, this is a tournament. We could have just relied on sporting endeavor. I don't think we needed to do this down. This stupidness works much better in match three because it's Stone Cold Steve Austin taking on the big bus man. So once again, we're going right back to story. Because the boss man is associated with Vince McMahon. So his sole job is just to rough up the rattlesnake to try and take him out the thing early. And this is exactly what he does. He gets his knife stick and he just waffles the hell out of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Not a waffle that you eat, but one that you beat somebody up with. Nobody's done that in the history of the planet. And it does mean that Stone Cold is is now going through to the next round, but what kind of state is he in? Because a policeman had just whacked him with a stick. It also does make you go, well, why the hell did we do all that in the Jeff Jarrett Al Snow match if we were going to do it here? But again, in the attitude here, they just couldn't help themselves. But I felt myself investing into this, even though I knew where it was gonna go. Let's get it up. As Ray Trader has come up too, what an underrated dude. Like he was a man mountain, but he could zoom around the ring as if he was some kind of cruiserweight. 
he deserves more props than he gets. And as the theme of this retro ups and downs has been music, how good was his entrance theme? He had the whole no 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 wow, which I have been singing for the last 20 years. Michael Cole is then chatting to Vince McMahon directly, who of course do not forget was in a wheelchair at this stage. And of course that was going to be a joke too, but we'll get to it. And he's all like, ha oh, oh, ha oh, ha, what's gonna happen to Steve Austin now? Almost like he had a plan. And then WWE didn't learn at all down. Because it is William Regal versus X-Pac and straight away we just go back to the nonsense. And this one is doubly frustrating because when they are allowed to wrestle, it's pretty good. You've got the stylings of X-Pac, you've got the stylings of William Regal. Forgive me, he's called Steven Regal here. But instead, you get such a ludicrous finish, you just want to punch yourself out in the skull. And yes, if you are asking the question, wait a minute, wasn't 1998 when Steven Regal was a real man's man? Yes, it was. Which means we can talk about entrance music again, because he came out to the whole, he's a man, as if the WWF had just gone back to 1996. Now, of course, Regal pulls this off. He's got his stupid yellow hat and his face expressions are wonderful. But where did this come from? It's like somebody accidentally read a book and then put it down on a script. But let's move on from all of that now and talk about the match itself. And yes, it ends in a double countout. So instantly you're like, wait, if it's a tournament, shouldn't we have just like eradicated them for one evening? But it gets even more confusing because Vince McMahon says, no, it can't end like this because of Stone Cold Steve Austin. This is meant to be his next opponent. So he says, we're going to restart it, but there's going to be a five minute time limit. I'm like, Vince, if there's a five minute time limit, it means it can still end in a draw. But even then, <laughs> X-Pac just goes, nah, I don't want to do it. So now you're thinking, okay, William Regal, excuse me, Stephen went through, but he doesn't and they both still lose. I didn't know what to do. I did not want to do when this happened. This is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. And now my TV is broken. That's how I chose to respond to this. I booted it right in the face. It's not true, TVs don't have faces. So this is bad, really, really bad. To the point, if you showed this to a friend who didn't watch wrestling, they would just decease your relationship because they wouldn't want to have anything to do with you anymore. And they would have been absolutely right down. We then finally get a proper match. Thank Flubbins. Up. And it's nothing special, but it didn't have to be because it's Ken Shamrock versus Goldust and we already have the impetus to watch because you're like, well, who's going to go through? Is it going to be Ken or is it going to be Gold? That's all you needed to do. There is still some nonsense because Goldie in 1998 was obsessed with the Shattered Dreams, which was just kicking somebody in the balls. And that was an instant disqualification to why he would do it, I do not know. But thankfully, they hear the referee gets in the way and says, no, Dust, you ain't doing it. It's against the rules. Monday referees could learn a little thing from this. It also opens up the door for Ken Shamrock to lock in the ankle lock, make him tap out to go through to the next round. And I will say this, if Kenny had decided he didn't want to go back to the UFC, he totally would have been a world champion. He's just so good at his role and he's a pretty damn good wrestler and the fans totally believed in him, mostly because he was absolutely crazy. I really like Ken Shamrock. What came next too is just the best, and I mean it, and a big reason for why it was shown for so many damn years. Because it is meant to be The Rock versus Triple H, but Triple H never shows up because he was still coming back from an injury. Now, I do admit that if you were in the arena, you probably would be like, well, that sucks. I wanted to see the man with three H's. But once again, you can tie into the story because his replacement is the big boss man. Because again, who is booking the tournament? Who is behind all of this? It's Vince McMahon, the evil owner of the WWF. 
So even though the big boss man had been eliminated, he's now put him back in the thing because you're trying to go, oh, he's really trying to screw over the whole tournament. But of course, we know the Rock is about to join Vince. Ah, oh, it's just so good. And what does Rocky do too instantly? He hits the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up, and he beats him for the one, two, three. And the boss man acts all surprised, going, all right, don't believe it, but it's fake, because of course he's tied in with Vince McMahon, so it's absolutely getting an up. Now there is a plot hole with this later, but even Star Wars has plot holes, so I don't give a damn. You also get Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe coming out here, chopping like their life depending on it, pretending that they are the Generation X. And once again, as these two have been brought up, how did they play these roles so well? These were like two old school serious wrestlers, and in 19 Entertainment personified. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now save fifty percent on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power twenty twenty three award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive in June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Unfortunately, when it came to our next match, life just kicked its ass. It's The Undertaker versus Kane. This was still unreal to me when I was a kid because I love this feud, but viewing it in the modern day, it is quite clear that The Undertaker is not at 100% and that The Undertaker is probably pretty badly injured. That is absolutely the case, but of course he's gone all old school here and he's trying to fight through all of his pains, but that just means the guy can barely move which I looked it up, is actually quite important when it comes to trying to do a wrestling match. And it is admirable, and you do have to respect it. That is one hell of a tough guy. I just prefer the 2021 method, where if you are in pain, you're allowed to go home and rest for a little bit before making your return. Especially because look what's about to happen is getting it down. It still has its moments because I just love the characters so much, especially when The Undertaker goes, <laughs> makes that weird noise and tries to chokeslam Kane, but his brother is too powerful, so he gives him the chokeslam instead. And this is the reason the finish is so dumb. I think they actually forgot how strong Kane was meant to be. Because here you have a man so large he can throw the dead man around. 
And yet after Paul Bearer has distracted him and The Undertaker has given the big red machine a tombstone, Paul Bearer holds on to his foot as if that's the reason Kane wasn't able to kick out. Paul Bearer holding your foot should cause you no problems whatsoever. And I get that you've got to protect Kane. Of course you've got to protect Kane, but this didn't protect him. It just made everybody involved look absolutely silly. And Kane goes nuts afterwards and he starts choke slamming the ref. I don't blame him. He didn't see his leg being lightly caressed. We then move on to the semi-finals. We have Al Snow versus Mankind. And at this juncture, I said out loud to absolutely nobody, I really would like another one-night tournament in the WWE, but I'm well aware this isn't going to happen. Look how hard it was to bring back the flipping King of the Ring. There is some kind of story here as well, and it's pretty weird, so I'll do my best to explain it to you. But as it had turned out, Vince McMahon had given Socko to Al Snow, who was then wearing it on the head of head, and when Mankind saw this, he went absolutely ballistic, got the sock back, stuck it in Al Snow's mouth, and he beat him. Now, I don't get why this wound Mick Foley up so much. I guess the dude just really liked socks. This also gets quite intense after a while because there's a steel chair involved and they're just throwing their head into things. But I'm going to give it up. It is not as good as what follows it because, man, do I love this. For The Rock is back and he's taken on Ken Shamrock, which was great booking anyway because they had a fantastic feud in 1998, so you wanted to see another match. And if you haven't seen when The Rock hit Ken Shamrock in the head with a steel chair, just trust me on this one. Do not go and find it. It is one of the most disgusting and one of the sickest chair shots you will ever see to the point you will go, how has Ken Shamrock still got a head? It should have just rolled out the ring and onto the floor. It's a solid match as well with The Rock Kimmy being beloved by the fans, which is especially true when he hits the people's elbow that is in its infancy here. The crowd had totally already bought into that though. As soon as he gets into the position, they all go mad and they were actually happy to go... Yeah, I think a running elbow drop could, you know, could win a match because when Ketch and Rock kicks out, they all boo. It is the finish that I do love the most, though, and this is where we have our plot hole because the big boss man is back. I mean, he is just all over the place here and he goes to throw the nightstick to Ken Shamrock. But in what can only be described as absolute perfection, The Rock grabs it out of midair. He twonks Shamrock in the head. Ken goes down. The Rock pins him. And now The Rock is going through. And of course, we're meant to think Vince McMahon doesn't like that because they had been fighting on Raw. What's truly genius about this, though, is the things it puts in your head. Because at first you're like, oh my gosh, The Rock's so cool. He pulled a fast one. But in reality, the big boss man had done this on purpose because once again, they're all working in cahoots. Now, the plot hole is that later on after this, Ken Shamrock would join the corporation. And would it be like, wait a minute. So you're telling me you deliberately did this when I was in a tournament to win the world title. But again, it's wrestling. Who cares? But the fact they pulled this idea off so well and the fact that they couldn't do it any better. I just love it. I love it so much. I would marry it. And I don't even know what that means. How do you marry a moment from 1998? But know this, if I was able to figure out, I absolutely would not invite my parents. They are disappointed enough. Brilliantly too, we then cut to a Paul Bearer interview after this. And he literally just goes, Whoa, my Undertaker! I was like, I think this is the greatest year ever in professional wrestling. Although from nowhere, you do get Sable versus Jacqueline for the women's title. I mean, I guess you had to do something like this in order to give the event a little bit of a spice but it really, really does just pop up. You have Shane McMahon as the referee, which of course was tying into that storyline and was going to tie into the next match. And Mark Merrill was at ringside. So when he starts getting involved, 
table just goes, right, that's it. And she goes, out of the ring. And she power bombs Mark Merrow onto the floor. Do not forget, two years earlier, Mark Merrow had been hired to be a star. And here he was getting whooped by Sable. I think it's great. Becky then starts choking Sable on the ropes, which is genuinely hilarious because she's nowhere near the ropes, but she goes, I can't breathe. And eventually Sable is able to reverse one powerbomb into her own. She gets the one, two, three. She becomes the women's champion. And I tell you this, I ain't ragging on it at all. I ain't crapping on it. I actually thought it was quite fun. It was quite entertaining. Only goes a few minutes up. We then get into our big matches for the tournament. Steve Austin versus Mankind. Up. Stone Cold is still selling his beating from earlier and Mankind is still in his corporate gear so Steve Austin just rips that off straight away and what I truly enjoy about this is you can just smell and you can just feel the respect that these two guys had for each other and they had really good chemistry they never had a bad match and that's what happens here. They're also fighting on the outside and trying to kill each other after a little while to the point Mankind's like screw this I'm going away and of all the people it's Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe who send him back to the ring which is where a steel chair goes right into his face. And don't forget, this is happening in November 1998. The King of the Ring, when he was almost killed in a Hell in a Cell, was only a few months prior. This is why Mick Foley is one tough son of a ditch. He did this stuff constantly and somehow always got up. There is a really great bit at the end after Austin has hit the stunner and has the match won when Vince McMahon pulls the referee out of the ring and reveals, oh look, I wasn't injured at all. What a dastardly heel he is. And then we take this up another gear because Shane McMahon, who was feuding with Vince McMahon, had only been brought back to the company as a referee, as we've already said, he slides in and he goes one and he goes two. Then he stops. He flips Stone Cold off. And you're like, man, what is going on? This is too much information. And sure, this has Vince Russo's fingerprints all over it, but on this occasion, he absolutely smashed it. And the expression on Steve Austin's face here and Shane McMahon's is absolutely brilliant. The only real shame is what happens right afterwards. Because clearly Gerald Briscoe is meant to hit Stone Cold with a chair, but he forgets. So you have Austin just like walking around like this, like he's some kind of toy that's malfunctioning. And when Jerry does remember, I ain't kidding you, it's like this. Bonk! It is such a weak chair shot, it doesn't even make a noise. And poor Stone Cold Steve Austin, the greatest wrestler of all time, has to lay there while Mankind pins him for the one, two, three. Even Linda McMahon had to be somewhere going, that was terrible. <laughs> that was an absolute terrible chair shot. And if you ever heard Austin talk about this, it is damn funny. But the intentions were good, so I'm not going to get bogged down with that, especially because you get even more narrative after this. Because Vincent Mann and Shane McMahon and his goons, they all run away and get in a car and pull away because you're meant to think, well, they've done what they said they were going to do. They stopped Stone Cold Steve Austin winning the tournament. Stone Cold Steve Austin then gets in the truck. He chases them. And there's more to this, which we will get to later. And then The Rock beat The Undertaker via DQ. And yes, as we've already mentioned, one of the issues of the Attitude Era was that we did this kind of nonsense too much. Not like we do that in 2021. But if the goal of this tournament was to build The Rock, then why didn't we build The Rock? And I get you want to protect The Undertaker, but sometimes you just have to go, that's our guy, he's going to run through everyone. It doesn't really matter because the People's Champion was about to go heel. And when you go heel, you can do whatever you want. But just when you get a disqualification, well, I've already made the noise, I'll make it again, you just go meh. He doesn't get hit by Paul Bearer's shoe during this, which always will make me laugh because it's a stupid thing to do. And of course, eventually out, comes Kane, he choke slams the great one, because that's going to get the Undertaker disqualified. Undertaker then goes nuts. He beats up Hell Hebner, because screw him, these two brothers fight off into the distance, and The 
Rock is in the final. There's also a really confusing bit in the middle where the big boss man is back and he's trying to distract Rocky, which kind of throws my idea out the window that they're all in this together. I'm just going to forget that happened. I'm going to scrub it from my brain. I'm going to use my finger of power and I'm going to give it a down. I suppose this does build a lot though. And of course it sets up the finals. But given everything else we had done, it does feel a little bit like a lull. Classic WWE after this, because they decide, well, we have to put something before we do the last match of the tournament. So you get one of the oddest concepts they have come up with. It is the Headbangers taking on Mark Henry and D'Lo Brown, taking on the New Age Outlaws. But it is quite literally a triple threat tag match meaning anytime one team is in there, he has to have two other opponents. Forget about all of that though, because all you really need to know is there is a sign of Road Dogg's catchphrase, you know, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the whole damn thing written out. And other than this lot, the fans were absolutely dead for this because of course, they're just thinking about the King of the Ring tournament. It also doesn't help, and I counted because I'm really weird, that there are four low blows during this. It may even be five and it may even be six. There's chance I didn't see ones, but towards the end, People are just whamming the other guy right in the dick because they know they can't be disqualified. And look, sometimes you see someone get smashed in the penis. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. But it's the law of diminishing returns. When I have seen a penis smashed around about three or four times, I'm just kind of done with it. It also just ends from nowhere where Billy Gunn hits a pile driver onto Mosh and everybody looks at him rather than breaks it up. I suppose it did serve as that classic WWE buffer, but I'm still giving it a down. It is then all made up for though, because it is the last match in the Deadly Game Tournament. And do we even need to talk about the actual fighting, even though it is pretty decent? The only real downer here is that we had to mimic the Montreal screw job that had gone down 12 months ago. And even a year later, it was a bit like, oh man, do we have to do this? And the fact that some companies are still doing it in 2021, my word, somebody kill me. The key to all of this though, is how much the people want The Rock to win. I mean, they are booing the hell out of mankind, even though he's not doing anything. And you'll get some serious action here. I mean, you get elbows off the apron, people are being thrown into stairs, people are being thrown through the announce table. And when I say people, I mean Mick Foley, because it ties into what I say earlier. This mother Hubbard didn't care. It is the last few minutes that are gold though, even if we have to do it via a joke sharpsuit spot. But after The Rock has locked on his weird version of that move, all of a sudden Vince McMahon, who had returned to the arena, even though he said he had gone, calls for the bell, even though Mick Foley hasn't tapped out. Jane and Vince and The Rock all then hug, and that's when you realize they had pulled the wool over our eyes. Everything that had happened on this night and in the preceding weeks had all been a trick so they could form the corporation and nobody saw this coming. The Rock turns into a mega heel instantly, even his mannerisms change. And I think it is damn brilliant. I mean, The Rock had even dropped the people's elbow onto Vince McMahon on the previous Raw. And when he walks over to Mankind and starts doing that dirty kick, that was it. I was just bought in, especially because Steve Austin then returns. My word, this will wear you out. He does hit a stunner on Mankind, and I was a bit like, well, that was unfair. I feel like that guy's been through way too much. But he also hits one onto The Rock, which means we have just pulled the trigger on one of the greatest feuds ever. Are you kidding me? This one is so damn easy. It doesn't just get an up. It gets a golden up. I love storytelling. What an event. What a great damn event. But what did Dave Meltzer think about it in the Wrestling Reserve newsletter? 
Well, he didn't really like it because Mankind versus Gilbert got nothing. He didn't even give it a star. Snow versus Jarrett was a dud. Austin versus Bossman was half a star. X-Pac versus Regal was three quarters of a star. Shamrock versus Goldust was half a star. Rock versus Bossman got nothing. Taker and Kane was a dud. Mankind versus Snow was half a star. Rock versus Shamrock, here we go, two and a half stars. Sable versus Jackie, one star. Mankind versus Austin, three stars. Rock versus Taker, three and a quarter stars. The tag match got one star. And then Mankind versus The Rock finally hits something with three and a half stars. Although I will say, he kind of does balance himself a little bit and says, from a narrative point of view, really fun, but the wrestling sucked. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.